0: Hello, you filthy animals, and welcome to episode 14 of the Old Metal Bar Steward, brought to you in part by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. I am your Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray, and it's been one of those weeks where you find yourself questioning why you do the things that you do. Now, if you've been following this show, or if you caught the last episode, then you know that your Old Metal Bar Steward has been in a constant battle with the booze for the vast majority of his time on this planet. Yet, Seven days ago, it seemed that I'd had a breakthrough and had been clean and sober for a week. Well, that lasted until Monday when I decided that I had this shit under control so one little drink wouldn't hurt. Yeah, how did that pan out? So it's a false start yet again in my war against the booze, but I am nothing if not stubborn. So starting tomorrow, I'm back on the wagon, which will be a Sunday. Please wish me luck, dear listener. I think I'm going to need it. Anyway, enough of my troubles and woes, you're not here for that, what you're here for is my usual brand of vicious bile and witty remarks, but before we get into that, it's time for the usual disclaimer. The thoughts and opinions of the old metal bar steward are mine and mine alone, and in no way represent the thoughts and opinions of 25 years later media and a ruminations radio network. So with that out of the way, let's get to it, shall we? Out with the old, and in with the new's. It's time for Nutty Nugent Watch. Except, it isn't. For the first time since I started doing this show, Ted Nugent has had zero to say, and I couldn't be happier. I'll be honest with you, my friends, it's not easy for me to have to repeat every piece of hate filled rhetoric that this dumbass spews forth every time he opens his goddamn mouth, so for him to keep his damn mouth shut these past seven days means I won't need to gargle with bleach when I put down the mic. And an even bigger surprise, nobody in the world of rock and metal, none of old Ted Nugent's mini Nugents, have had anything racist, homophobic, or downright stupid to say. Blissful, isn't it? No need for me to rage against the morons. No need for my blood pressure to spike through the roof. Nothing but good times from here on out. Well, until next week. Well, I do not doubt that these idiots would be back en masse, but until then, as Depeche Mode once sang, let's enjoy the silence. But it wouldn't be the episode of an old metal bar steward if I didn't have something to be annoyed at, and as has been the case for the past few shows, KK Downing's priest is in my sight. Now, as I've stated, I have nothing against KK Downing doing whatever the fuck he wants to do as he's KK Downing, and he's entitled to do it. But I do have a problem with the fact that he's using the priest's name, even if he was a founding member and driving force behind one of the greatest metal acts for the best part of four decades. And I also have a problem with him using a singer who is nothing more than a second-rate tribute act to the metal god. But it appears that K.K. Downing doesn't share my concerns. Talking to Billboard about the obvious comparisons, he said, I don't see it that way. This is not just another version of Judas Priest. That's where the fans are looking at this wrong. I understand that, though. This is not me saying, oh, this is my Judas Priest, but I don't want to dispense with the name Priest because it belongs to me as much as it does to anybody else. Elsewhere, he told Sonic Perspectives that he felt that the Tim Ripper Owens albums were underappreciated, saying, I think lots of bands release things either too late or too early. Timing is very, very important, and maybe the timing wasn't quite right but it was a big thing, obviously, for Ripper to step into. It wasn't so much that Ripper was there, it was the fact that Halford wasn't there, I think. It was the familiarity of the voice, which I know and I understand, but Rob left and formed three bands, not one, not two, but three, and playing priest songs as well. But yeah, I think things have turned around now and fans revisit those albums. Yeah, there's a lot of guitar parts on those records, apart from the vocals a lot of guitar riffs and a lot of guitar work which obviously we're immensely proud of now as I said who am I to disagree with the metal legend like KK Downing but I'm gonna first off the reason that everyone says that KK's priest sounds like Judas Priest is because it fucking does I'm sorry man you can go on YouTube right now and play any of their songs and it all just sounds like outtakes from the Painkiller album that's just the way it is and it's down to the fact that they've got a Rob Halford clone fronting them. I won't listen to the two records that they made with Tim Ripper Owens because it's just karaoke night at the local bar as far as I'm concerned. Look, I understand that K.K. Downing is going to write the riffs the way he writes the riffs, as he's been doing it for 50 years now, but if they'd just chosen to go with any other singer, then it wouldn't have been such a mind melt. It would have been an interesting project. And they wouldn't have gotten tagged with the priest like Monica. But as long as Ripper Owens is front in the band, it'll always seem like KK's priest was only put together out of spite and bitterness towards his own bandmates. And talking of his own bandmates, the Metal God, they've been talking to Dr. Dot about why he doesn't swear on priest records, explaining, I love to swear, but I use it in a fun way, I use it expressively, getting your emotions out. I don't really think that it has much of a place in our world, in priests. I mean, I see and I hear it in a lot of other types of music, and hey, that's your thing, it's your choice. Music and all art should not be censored. Once you start censoring art, it multiplies and it becomes a very dangerous thing to do. Again, it's all about choice. If you don't like something, don't listen to it. If it's something on the TV that makes you angry, change the channel. If there's something that makes you angry on social media, go somewhere else. But for me to use explicit language in a Priest song, I don't think I found the moment yet. Now, having heard what KK Downing's been spitting towards himself and the rest of Priest over the past few weeks, and maybe they'll find the right moment on the new album. But outside of that, until I read this piece, I hadn't noticed that the metal god had never sworn on record. I love swearing, as regular listeners to the show can attest but I understand his reasoning behind it. I was listening to last week's episode when it came out, as I have that much of an ego, and I was surprised as to how many times I used the word fuck. I'm with Ozzy Osbourne on this, it's my favourite word in the English language, but having heard myself use it about a thousand times in 40 minutes, I've decided to only let it spill forth from my mouth when I need to emphasise a point, otherwise it loses its impact so I fully understand what the metal god is getting at here. Sorry, that should have been, I fully understand what the metal god is getting at here. Why cuss when there's no need for it? Yes, dear listener, it's been a very slow news week, and these things are a bastard to pad out to 30 minutes. A couple of shows ago, I reviewed the first single off of Beast Snyder's forthcoming album, Leave a Scar*, and it's safe to say I was mightily impressed. In fact, I said, if... I Gotta Rock Again is anything to go by than when Lever Scar hits the store and streaming platforms on July the 30th. It's going to be a loud metal, ear shredding 12 track masterpiece. It's that damn good. When it was first announced that Mr. Snyder would be releasing new material, I was very intrigued to see that he'd be doing a song with Cannibal Corpse frontman George Corpse Grinder Fisher and couldn't figure out how the marriage of two very distinct and opposite vocal styles would work out or even compliment each other. Well, there's no need to wonder any longer as the song in question, Time to Choose, has a lyric video over on that there YouTube and sweet zombie Jesus, it's so fucking metal that if you were to accidentally drop it, it would split the goddamn planet in half. I hate to use the term blistering to describe any song, as it's an old cliche that music writers have used for years, but there's no other way to explain the sheer ferocity with which this song is played. It will literally blister the skin off of your face from 1,000 yards and boil your eyes in their sockets and you'll be thankful for the experience as it's a goddamn masterpiece. Mr Snyder is on top form here sounding angrier than I've ever heard him on anything and Mr Corpse Grinder brings such a ground with him that I'd advise you don't play this anywhere near young children as it will give them nightmares for about a week. My own children, on the other hand, were perfectly fine when I blasted this out this morning, as they've been exposed to metal since before they were in the womb. But if you have kids who think that BTS is cutting edge when it comes to music, then I'd advise against having this on in your house, as the shock of pure, unadulterated metal might cause them to explode. If you're listening to this Mr. Snyder, top fucking tune, and roll on July 30th. In other D. Snyder news, last week I reported that Mr. Snyder and his clan would be on celebrity family feuds. Well, that has been and gone, and it's safe to say they smashed the shit out of it and made it pay for their cab home. Going head-to-head with NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Terry Bradshaw, they swept all aside and won $25,000 for the National Coalition of Homeless Veterans. After the show had aired, Dee took to Twitter to tweet, The fact that veterans are living on the streets is tragic. They should be supported and honoured, not homeless. Now, your old metal bar steward agrees with this sentiment. It's a fucking disgrace that anyone has to live on the streets. And no, this won't help fix this problem. The money the Snyder clan won will go to a decent cause who can use it where it's needed most. So kudos, Mr. Snyder and family. Good work. Hey, kids, it's Don Shinahan from the Cinephile History Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on the Cinephile History Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. One of my favorite bands over the Black Crows have announced that they're working on some new material. Talking to the Lip Service with Scott Lips podcast, Chris Robinson said, yeah, Rich and I always write, in general, it's what we do, and it keeps me sane in the day to be able to write some song. I have a studio here at home, so to me, it was one of the things that kept everything going during that time that we just had. To be able to send songs to Rich and have him send me some stuff and back and forth. Now, this doesn't seem to be an announcement of any new album hurtling our way anytime soon, and it could just be that Chris and Rich just write to stop from going insane. But I genuinely hope that's not the case and a brand new Black Clothes album and UK tour please and Thank You are on the horizon. And even more Black Crows news, Rich Robinson has been talking to the Long Island Weekly, and he's been less than complimentary about former drummer and original band member Steve Gorman. Asked why the band had gotten back together without their long-term tub thumper, Rich said, Steve was one of the incredibly negative and manipulative forces in the band that we really didn't want to deal with. In order to get back, we really had to do this very specific purge, where we focus on the two of us and let this be something that will be positive. We can be in charge of our own triggers, but if you have other people around that have an agenda, agenda, sorry, which a lot of older people around do, it's just going to crash and burn. We didn't look at this as a one-time thing. We want to focus and do it right for ourselves as human beings, for ourselves as brothers for ourselves as writing and creative partners as well as for the other reason. This is and surprising news to your old metal bar steward, as I always considered Gorman one of the most underrated drummers to ever pick up a pair of sticks. Seriously, his work on Southern Harmony is the perfect example of a drummer at the top of his game and made me adapt the way I was playing at the time. So to find out that this man I admired might have been one of the causes for the boys to have jacked it in for such a long period of time kind of bums me out. But still, if it means that the Black Crows are around to bring me fantastic live shows and brilliant albums for the foreseeable future, then I guess it would have all been for the best. In news that automatically made me feel better after all of that, Body Count are working on a new album. The social media announced it this week by saying, Body Count News, even though we have not been able to perform one single concert to support the Carnivore album because of the global pandemic, we've made the decision to officially start the new Body Count album, Merciless 2021. Stay tuned. Now that's a hell of a piece of news and a hell of a move on Body Count's behalf because, as they said, they haven't been able to perform Carnivore to anyone thanks to COVID. But it does mean that when Merciless hits The Shelves and Body Count are back out on the road, they'll have two albums worth of brand new material to burn up venues with, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them play both records in their entirety. This means that Body Count shows are now top of my goddamn list of gigs to attend when bands start coming back to these shores. In other tour news, it seems that Corey Taylor is going to be a busy bloke, as along with hitting the road with Slipknot, he's also announced he'll be heading out for a solo run starting on July 16th at Rockfest and ending on August the 19th in Denver. No news on if he or Slipknot will be heading to Europe, and more specifically England, anytime soon. But if you're stateside, then you'll be able to catch a huge dose of the neck this summer and beyond. And ahead of a concert to mark what would have been the 69th birthday, It's been announced that the long-anticipated autobiography of Ronnie James Dio called Rainbow in the Dark will be released on July 27. Dio started the book years before his cancer diagnosis and it will cover his entire life and career, from humble beginnings to superstardom as one of the greatest metal singers to ever pick up a microphone. He also talks openly about the excesses that rock and roll brought him and with such a rich and huge life to walk us through, It promises to be one of the best reads any metal fan could ever lay their hands on. Elsewhere, Ronnie's wife, Wendy Dio, has been talking about how the great man popularized the devil horn symbol that he became so synonymous with. Talking to Rolling Lois Studios, she said, a lot of people claim that it was theirs and that's okay. It wasn't Ronnie's. It's an old Italian sign called the Evil Eye to ward off evil. His grandma, when he was about five, used to walk down the to the town to give his grandpa lunch at the steel mill and he see his grandpa grandma sorry doing the sign it was like warding off evil he didn't think about it it was just part of his heritage and then when he joined sabbath of course ozzy was doing the peace sign he didn't want to do that and then one day he just did it and he just took off and it was something that ronnie became popular for there's always been an argument about who threw up the devil horns first in the old metal bar steward's opinion with even Geezer Butler claiming that it was something that he did as far as back as 1971, and that when Dio joined the band, he took it on. But however, it became part of his repertoire, and I'm more likely to believe his wife than anyone else. It's a gesture that not only made you think of Ronnie James Dio when you saw it, but it's become the overriding symbol for metalheads across the globe. We all do it, always have and always will. And it's been passed on to the next generation of headbangers, at least in my house, as my three-year-old no throws up the horns whenever she can. Sad news now as Blink-182 singer and bassist Mark Hoppers has revealed that he's battling cancer. He posted a picture of himself on social media this past week with a caption that read, Yes, hello, one cancer treatment, please. before Before explaining, I have cancer. It sucks and I'm scared and at the same time, I'm blessed with incredible doctors and family and friends to get me through this. I still have months of treatment ahead of me, but I'm trying to remain hopeful and positive. Can't wait to be cancer-free and see you all at a concert in the near future. Love to you all. Now, I'm not the biggest Blink-182 fan, but who cares about music at a time like this? I hope you beat the shit out of this, brother. Beat it like a red-headed stepchild. My thoughts are with you, and I'm sending you whatever good vibes I can find. Genuinely hope you can kick the crap out of this, man. Kick the shit out of it and make cancer your bitch. And finally, as it turns out that when Ted Nugent and his army of dickheads are quiet, the show runs quite short, it's time for another trip to Auction Corner. We really, really should have some sort of upper-class music for this segment, as it appears to be becoming quite the regular feature. Anyway, this week, a stage guitar used by Eddie Van Halen is going under the hammer, and even though there is no estimate, or at least that I could find, considering his last one sold for $210,000, you can expect this to go for the same price as most countries' national debt. Now, I don't have a problem with buying guitars or drum kits from auction, so I'm actually curious to see where this ends up or what it ends up selling for but I do have a funny feeling that it won't go for anywhere near the $281,000 that Kurt Cobain's awful self-portrait went for a few weeks back. If Cobain was alive now, he'd be turning in his grave. So there it is, another week, a much shorter-than-usual episode of the old metal bar steward. Come back, Ted! All is forgiven! Well, not really, you racist fuck. I've been your host, the Old Metal bastard and himself, Neil Gray. And as always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Brought to you in part by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. And you all know the drill by now. When you turn off my dulcet tones, head on over to the main 25 Years Later site, as well as its sister sites, Horror Obsessive and Sports Obsessive, and get your eyeballs some top-notch reading. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network, as they've got you covered no matter what your ear holes are craving. I'll be back here in seven days' time with more news, reviews, and opinions, So until I speak to you next, stay safe and stay metal, my filthy, filthy animals. The year is 2043. You're playing fantasy football. Fantasy football. It is championship week. You're trying to set your lineup, and you don't know what to do. Robert, Robert Griffin IV and his top target, Will Fuller VI, have carried you all season, but they're facing a London Jaguars team that has the top defense in the league. Your other quarterback is a 66 year old Tom Brady who's playing against the much more manageable Toronto Bengals. So you turn to Nick and Elijah of the 25 Yards Later podcast, a production of Sports Obsessive and Ruminations Radio Network. Be a, a champion. champion